Hi, I'm James Atkinson, and welcome to the conversation we recorded with Chris Sidwar and Andrew Finneran of Sydney's Batch Brewing Company. It's been two years since we last chatted with Batch on Radio Brews News. This time we visited the brewery just before Christmas for a glass of their Raspberry Farmhouse Ale Chapeau and chatted about topics including the evolution of the Marrickville locale where they first established a beachhead for craft beer in late 2013. I hope you enjoy the chat. This is a Radio Brews News crew Christmas sing-along. No, not really. Uh, the Radio Brews News crew, uh, we're not, we, don't, we didn't want to leave you wanting over Christmas, folks. So we have, uh, in early December, decided that we would finally catch up a Christmas drink. So James and Matt and myself have uh, hit the town, and that town is Sydney. And uh, it's fair to say that just at this stage, it doesn't know what's hit it. But our first punch, if you like, is... Uh, at Marrickville Way, and we're here at uh, Batch Brewing. And we have the founders, the spiritual titular heads of Batch Brewing. We've got uh, Andrew and Chris. Andrew, good morning. Good morning. Chris. Morning. And uh, morning, James. G'day, Prof. It's good to be able to see you in the flesh. It is. And uh, Matt, good to see you as well, mate. Mate, a very rare thrill, the three of us together and uh, doing our Sydney tour. Very excited. Uh, but again, we've kind of asked things up just a little bit because we've uh, gone and visited a brewery. We're doing it uh, in person, IRL as the cool kids would say, and yet it's uh, just gone 9 o'clock in the morning, so sans beer. We don't get together very often. I'm willing to push through and have a beer at quarter past nine. And in fact, my trip advisor rating for batch brewing just lost a star because I haven't been offered one yet. So can I get you a beer? <laughs> Beautifully done. Thanks, Andrew. I'm going to get you guys uh, something very, very special, I think. That's not, not packed yet, so I'm going to get it straight out of the fermenters. Can't argue with that. A Radio Brews News exclusive, I'm all for that. Andrew, you better, uh, I guess, put the listeners out of their misery. What is it that we're drinking straight from the fermenter? So this is our uh, fourth release of our Raspberry Sour Ale Chapeau. So uh, we do this every year. Um, basically as a way of saying thanks to all our customers. Uh, our fourth anniversary happens to be right around Christmas, so um, it's also a really good Christmas drink as well. So it's, um, I'd say it's probably one of our favorite beers that we, that we do. I think it's definitely our most anticipated. As Andrew said, we only do it once a year, and, uh, and people get excited about it, and they look forward to having it. And you know, they ask us throughout the year when it's coming back. And I think now at this point, after four iterations, they finally got the schedule down. But uh, yeah, this Friday we've got... A number of people coming by who are excited to buy it, and, and I can't wait to start sharing it with people. Uh, chapeau, if I'm not very much mistaken, is French for hat? Yes. So, like, the, uh, the phrase uh, chapeau with an exclamation point at the end of it means kind of like hats off to you or, like, thank you uh, kind of thing. So it's just a saying that I think it's a ma- mainly in the north of France and, and Belgium um, where, where, they, where they use the phrase quite a bit. But, yes, you're right. So similar to the, uh, the English expression, I dips my lid. Yes, exactly, yeah. Uh, guys, for those who don't know, uh, who are listening in today, tell us a little bit about the batch story. Uh, we know four years down the track. Uh, and where are we at today? Um, yeah, a little bit about us. I, we, we met playing sports. Um, one day we ran, had a random conversation about brewing beer together, and we had both been separately thinking, uh, had developed ideas of breweries in our own minds, and then uh, realized that we had a similar line of thinking. Um, 
we that quickly led to brewing in in my backyard and realized we could brew pretty good beer together which then just as quickly uh led to starting batch and kind of doing um you know new and different brews all the time um so yeah i mean i guess over the past four years we've um we've been putting out we, we haven't done the numbers in a little while but we ran the numbers just maybe last year we've been putting out a, a new beer every 10 days uh on average which is like which is pretty crazy when you think about it the way the business is kind of going now is we're we're not putting out as many brand new beers but we're like re-releasing uh, so we're still putting out new beers but they might be a re-release of something from the previous year because like with chapeau um we're getting a lot of people who are who are wanting to see these beers come back on an annual basis which is kind of fun because um, i think i think we're, we're in a position now we can have a lot of fun with you know kind of driving hype around uh bringing beers back like the big kahuna or the huge kahuna which is like the imperial version of the big kahuna like passion magic dragon we're about to bring back out which people ask us for all the time so we're really excited to put that in cans in january yeah i could go on and on and on there's like a list of it's over 200 beers or something like that we've got a list of it's pretty crazy um it's fun i think probably the uh, biggest difference that uh i've noticed since your opening is that we're drinking from uh beautiful stemmed tulip glasses what's happened to the jam jars we had to get rid of this. I think Chris was, uh, I think one day he was just like, this is, like, we did it because it was cheap and it was easy to, to get the jars in. And it was, so there's no hipster element to it. It was like, literally like, oh, we grew up with jam jars in our houses. So it's just an American thing. And we're like, oh yeah, well, it's easy to get. It's kind of nice and make, it made us feel like at home. And then uh, one day, not not one day, but Chris was like, we got to get rid of these things. And finally, um, we had a little bit of money. So we, we splurged on new glasses uh, and these glasses are much better because they're actually the way you should be drinking beer. It's it's a good glass for for most styles. Um, yeah, and you just get a much better experience out of it. So we have the we still have the tasting jars for um, for our tasting crates, and we'll be getting rid of those soon as well for a miniature version of these glasses, which we're also very excited about. Who visits Batch, and and, and how has that sort of changed over the years? There's an, a number of um, art studios, a lot of illegally occupied warehouses um there's a brothel to our east um uh, yeah there's there's a, a maker space behind us there's all kinds of businesses in the area it's a number of food providers uh feather and bones a fantastic butcher around the corner um two providors is a is a wholesale food distributor and, and, and these folks come into our brewery all the time for knockoff drinks on fridays saturdays whatever yeah, it's an interesting neighborhood. The, the food is really the interesting aspect around here. There's some very inspiring producers uh, doing fantastic things. And, you know, we've taken a little bit of a nod from some of them into our own brewing ethos. And uh, generally just just like to continue to push the community vibe. Um, you know, we hosted a locals lock-in a couple weeks ago, and I had one of the best nights in my life in this place. Uh, just just shaking hands with all the neighbors that I don't really get to see because my head's usually stuck in the mash tun or at a desk, but it was nice to just get some feedback from people who, who've been coming in here for months or years and I haven't had a chance to say hi to lately. The big question at the moment um, in, in the beer world generally, are you for sale? And if so, for how much? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, nine digits, yeah. No, I mean, look, you got to say you'll look at any number, but we didn't build this to do that. You know, we haven't pumped our volume in the interest of dumping the business on someone else to fix it. Uh, we've very slowly and, and to our own economic detriments have you know done this in a proper, slow, organic way. Really interested to hear your take on the beers that inspired you. We've seen a huge increase in different beer styles uh, lately, but what what beers excited you? What got you into this uh, craft beer thing? 
American Pale Ale is what we started with, uh, and that's that was our first stable beer. That's the one beer that we're always going to do, and it's our go-to kind of like session ale type thing. But I don't know. It's just really hard to it's really hard to kind of say what it was. I mean, for the most part, the reason why we're called Batch is because we wanted to do beers batch by batch, and we didn't want to create um, just a, a, like a stock standard um, stable and that we had to brew all the time. We wanted to give ourselves the opportunities to brew new and different things uh, and to explore ourselves. I think our conversations quite regularly about or what what do we want to drink? I mean, what what do consumers want? But also kind of like what we get excited about, and that changes like daily um and it's like right now like we're doing um like sour ales we're getting more and more excited about uh especially with the fruited sours that we've we're now going really hard with and then um a lot of nitro because we have the ability to to pack uh cans on nitro as well uh as in kegs so we're having a bit of fun with 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 that type of stuff like we're packing um our nitro IPA this week, which which is um, which is great, and the fact that we can put it into package is also fantastic, and just tastes great. So, but I mean that's that's right now. Tomorrow, Chris will come back and be like, you know, I, I drank this beer, and this is amazing. So we we just go we kind of go off on tangents, and explore different things, and we have fun with it. That's but that's what it's all about for us. Chris, you've just been overseas and just about to head back home overseas for a little bit. Um, does that influence, I guess, do you, do you bring that back and go, wow, there's some crazy stuff happening there, or this is something we've, you know, we've always wanted to do, why don't we do it? Uh, I definitely taste with my eyes open. You know, I'm, I'm always looking around and seeing what, what people are doing, but I, I try to also at the same time shelter that out to a degree. Uh, I, I personally, I look for our inspiration from our suppliers, so... You know, our malt providers, our fruit providers, these folks, um, you know, allow us to do something that's interesting and new as opposed to just replicating something else that we've seen before. We started off doing a lot of replications, American Pale Ale, American West Coast IPA. These are fantastic beers, in my opinion, but they're not original ideas. They're just, you know, our take on something everybody does. Uh, and going forward, what I want to do is continue to push my guys to get their inspiration uh, in, in other ways. So we're not just stuck in this rut of looking at a magazine or listening to a podcast and trying to recreate something that somebody's already doing. And has the, the initial plan focus on, you know, doing a lot of individual um, single batch beers, has that kind of evolved over time to settling on a bit of a larger core range of beers now? The idea from the beginning was always to expand our core range as demand warranted it. Uh, we didn't want to get stuck offering six core beers and not having any flexibility in our fermenters to do other things. So as the, uh, as the cellar has grown, which is now up to 17 tanks, we have the flexibility to do a core range, keep those products around all the time, and still have plenty of tank space to do our one-off beers. So the strategy, the, the core range isn't displacing the creativity. The creativity continues because we grow the cellar. It's interesting to hear you talk, and I know that we've talked to you before about the idea of batch brewing being uh, the inspiration for the name prof also asked the question about you know how many figures uh, how many what number are you guys looking to sell there is that um, balance between scalability and selling and this this notion of craft and staying batch to batch is what you do um, scalable to a significant level or are you just hoping to scale it to a subsistence level where you guys can support your own staff and what you and, and your dream or do you want to see it grow and become the, the biggest brewery in Sydney or the biggest brewery in, a, in the country? I think we, we're, we're on a journey with consumers as they start to get 
their head around drinking beer that isn't you know mainstream and isn't consistent then you know that will give us the opportunity to scale if that opportunity never presents itself i'm, I'm okay with that uh we're not sitting with the the grass growing under our feet here we're out there constantly pushing consumers and challenging them but uh the future for us is in growing the craft beer community and not just trying to you know get a cost price down so we can compete with ridiculously stupid price kegs everybody stop doing that <laughs> don't hold back mate just uh chris tell us tell us what you really think and, and that is a good question because we have seen it, it's one of the things i sit back and watch we see a lot of breweries opening in a fairly close area um, and you can either do what you guys are doing and make very distinctive unique beers or you can have beers that are going toe-to-toe with the, the, the same lineups that multinational brewers are doing and then it comes down to price is there room um, for you know a whole lot of different models within a small community like this, or at sooner or later is everyone going to be competing on price? Yeah, I, I would be disappointed if it came down to competing on price. And I think I think it's a slippery slope. Uh, the price competition. I mean, you have to be offering really good value, and you have to offer good quality product. And those are the main things. Uh, good customer service. You have to be a business that's that's um, that's able to service your customers in a, in, a, in a positive way with all those things combined. Uh, if it comes down to price, it's just going to get really ugly. I, I think I think it is possible. I think you just have to ch- we just have to keep challenging ourselves. Like we can't um, sit here and, and say, oh yeah, well, we're going to do um, New England IPAs and that's all we're ever going to do um, because that, that that's what the, where the market is uh, at the moment and everyone's doing them. We have to sit there and say, well, everybody else is doing them, so what can we do to try and get in front of it and try and do something new and different? Um, and that, and that's where our business model suits quite well. And kind of, it's challenging for us. Like we have to be on our toes. We um, to try and think of new and different things and get inspired by new and different things. And what Chris is doing uh, more so than me is you know looking to the food and our you know our primary producers. That 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 does bring in a lot of in, uh, inspiration. Sorry, the plane, Merrickville Pauls. Um, a lot of inspiration that you don't typically, you wouldn't typically find, which is really, which is fantastic. So, I mean, I, I, I think, yes, I think we can all exist. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but I think we can all exist, but we do have to find different, you know, a, a point of difference from each other. We can't all just be doing the same thing. If we all end up doing the same thing, it, it is going to be price, and, and I don't, that's not necessarily something I'm interested in, in participating in. I, I, I want to stand out, and I want to be different. It's also important, and I guess you guys have the advantage um, here of having a you know a consumer facing offering uh, where people can actually come in in that you can convey i guess the the value rather than the cost so which which I guess you, if you walk into an uncle Dan's or one of the you know the big box sort of um, retailers you, it's just price yeah. and I, I recognize that brand that one's nineteen ninety nine that one's seven eight I'm going the seven eight ninety nine and we all make those decisions with our with our wallets I guess the advantage that you guys have um, particularly as Chris was saying, being in touch with so, so many of the local producers that people can come here and go, oh, okay, so the coffee you use in the coffee stout comes from just over there. The raspberries are from, you know, this supplier just over there. And that's why it costs a bit more. It's kind of tacked into the conversation. So that must be an important element, I guess, of the business, not from the, the dollars and cents point of view, but I guess from that community engagement. Yeah, having a tasting room is extremely important to being, for, for people to be able to solidify what your brand is in their mind, but also, I mean, in the experience they've got so coming in here you're absolutely right they see uh us all working um in the brewery um doing whatever it is that we do brewing beer or um you know taking beer over to the warehouse or like you know whatever it is so they can they can see it and they get a really good vibe for or feel for 
who we are and what we do. And it's not, it's, you know, it's not just kind of like this charade of, um, of kind of like a spear brand, but there's nothing behind it. I mean, you, you, you really come into the brewery and you'll see, you, you'll see everyone who works here and you see what they do. So it's, it's a real experience, which is great. Chris, I've been doing a few tasting room shifts lately. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm going away for a few months and I just wanted to soak up as much energy from this place as I can before I do. Uh, but I was pouring a couple beers for an older guy who came in yesterday who wanted a pale ale. Um, at the end of a, you know, a, a pretty brief tasting, I got him onto a Saison, which was really interesting. And when I gave him his change back, he, he stopped, he paused, and he shook my hand and he thanked me for, sor- for serving him a $5 beer. Uh, we talk about value. I mean, I think that's pretty fucking awesome. $5 for a decent-sized serving of beer anywhere in Sydney is just off the charts. Uh, and, and I'm proud of that fact. And we've, we've grown our way through eight tax increases. We haven't upped our prices on kegs or at the bar uh, on anything ever in four years. So I think the value is there, quite frankly. Guys, when you moved into this area, it was kind of like the frontier of, um, you know, of, of the inner west in terms of brewing. There wasn't really much here. Um, how's the area changed, not just in terms of um, the competition, but also just the, the area and the, and the um, consumer appetite for beer generally? I definitely think it has changed. So, again, just standing across the bar, I get a, a really fantastic perception perspective. Sorry, it's nine o'clock. And yeah, I mean, I, I can see that the consumers change. The folks who are walking in the door are, uh, you know, there's more and more of them who have been here before and who are knowledgeable about what they've tasted and what they're willing to try. So I still think we have beers up on offer that are testing people, but they also have already tried a few things and they can easily be guided towards things based on their previous taste experiences. So we're still continuing to challenge them, but they are people who are coming to us having a little bit of a knowledge of what they've had before and what they want. Is there a little bit of a perception too that you know a precinct, rather than creating competition for the many brewers, actually will bring more more drinkers in? Do you do you find that people are going, oh, we went to so and so and they recommended you, or we heard about you from so and so? Yeah, there's definitely uh, you you can see now, like for example, a Saturday or Sunday's a, a, a great example of groups of people coming in you know getting straight off the train or coming from willy or whatever it is then coming coming here and then you you have a chat with them and they you realize that they're moving on to grifter or wildflower or sauce or any of the others or like moving up into Newtown or going to wayward or whatever so there's definitely um they're, they're definitely traveling through and kind of getting an experience and kind of doing the ale trail kind of map and and that sort of thing so i, th- I think it's yeah it's good it's good and, and more people are coming into the area right now that you, even though we have when we started in this little area, it was just one of us, and now I think there's, in the next couple of months, there'll be six or seven, I think. So, I mean, it's, for now, it's more people are coming in and increasing uh, the tasting room trade, which is, which is pretty good. Can we see a new range of T-shirts, perhaps, you know, batch brewing, we were here first? Um, yeah, we definitely, I'm, um, uh, yeah, th- yeah, the real, the real Merrickville Brewery, Pat- Patrick McInerney. No, I'm kidding. Um, I love giving Pat shit. Uh, yeah, we, I don't, yeah, maybe I have to think about something. I'll come back to you on that. With so many breweries in the local area, um, you've, you've obviously got a great uh, you know, community uh, traffic. You've got people who are coming here to visit the precinct. Who's buying your kegs? Are, are you getting your kegs into RSLs or is it some of the craftier hotels? Um, and the second part to that question is, do you think that contracts are greatly affecting your business personally or the beers that you're making probably wouldn't appeal to a venue that would 
lock itself into contracts? We are in some RSLs. We are in some crafty venues. We are in some mainstream pubs. Uh, there's quite a nice mix uh, across everything. So you can see that um, flavor profiles and the and, the, and these 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 pubs that would standard like usually just have a VB or a Tui's new or whatever. Um, they they need to have a, a new range of beers, and their consumers want or their customers want um, craft beer to come on. Um, yes, tap contracts. I mean, look, if, if the ACCC uh, ruled that tap contracts were illegal, I wish they would. We'd have to go build a bigger brewery just to support um, you know Sydney like right now. Uh, it would change the game completely. Um, but that's also the reason why the bigger companies are buying uh, more craft breweries so that they, they have a better portfolio because they're realizing they need to be able to compete with what consumers actually want. Um, so that makes it more challenging again. So they're, they're you know, Pirate Life and uh, Four Pines will come in on these um, 100% uh, ABI contracts that they, they like to lock in, and that locks us out completely. Um, it doesn't change anything for us. We've been dealing with this from, from the first day. So... Uh, but w- that's the whole point. Uh, what I go back to before, we have to continue to um, to challenge ourselves and challenge consumers and try and stay on the front foot. Um, you know, if, if ABI uh, or Lion, if they have a range of pale ales in their portfolio and that's taking up the tap banks, well, we can't just come in with American pale ale. It's just another pale ale. So you have to have something different that's going to push it. And yeah, it means it's slightly lower volume, but at least it gives us a good point of difference at that tap bank. But, yeah, I, I think contracts definitely hold all of us back. Um, it would be a much better marketplace. It, it, would be, it would be very dynamic if the contracts weren't in place. Um, it would be really interesting to see how everything played out, I think. Do you think the sort of venues that take 100% tap contracts would know how to sell a beer like yours? Um, because, I, I, again, I'm just speaking from personal experience that venues that put on craft beer but the staff aren't engaged they don't know how to sell it the, the beers don't move and so they just sort of say there's nothing to this craft beer thing we'll just go to um you know whatever the yeah. uh, big, big brewery is and second um, part of that is are there actually 100 percent tap contracts um in in sydney there are some they're not they're not too many but they're definitely they're, they're, there are a few 100 percent tap contracts i mean for example uh sorry the fir- first part of your question is yeah, I think they do sign it because, yeah, the staff the staff don't have to do anything. They're just, I mean, they've got big marketing campaigns, you know, uh, and so they're creating consumer awareness to, to drive the pull through, and they don't have, they're not relying on the staff. As for us, we don't have any of that. We want the staff to be engaged. So yeah, do we really want to be there? Uh, yes and no, but it's on us to try and to get the staff engaged and that sort of thing. We don't rely on our pubs and our bottle shops to sell our beer for us. We do try to create that pull through. They're, they're there to facilitate a transaction in a lot of cases. And if the pub doesn't foster education for their staff and their staff are just there for a dollar, then, then yeah, we're not going to, we, we can see that and we're not going to be reliant on, on them. Sounds like things are going really well. Um, I think we first spoke to you, but when you were in the planning stage uh, for Batch and have caught up with you, uh, just not on mic, uh, but it sounds like things are going as well as you hope uh, when you were looking at opening. What's next? It's a great question. Uh, we're trying to figure that out. Well, at the moment, um, we the our immediate job is to um, you know all the stuff we were talking about, trying to make uh, keep this business vibrant, uh, keep. Um, uh, making sure we can retain all our employees, running a, a business that everybody that, that everyone's engaged in, and that and that that is that's that's a really hard job. That's not um, 
uh, something that comes easy. When you find yourself starting with just the two of us and now, you know, close to 20 employees, um, all of a sudden you find you, you do, you realize that you had some people that came in as volunteers and they stayed on and then they decided to move on. All of a sudden you're like, well, man, we really have to, um, we got to make sure that we're putting programs together to educate our staff, to keep them engaged so that they have, uh, so that they want to stay here and they know they've got a future here and, and that sort of thing. So that's, for us, that's, um, that's a big challenge. The other, and, and, and then just staying uh, relevant in the marketplace. And that we have over 400 breweries now. We have to, um, you, you can't just you know, show up to work and, and clock in and be like, yep, we're going to sell beer today. I mean, we, we have to stay on the front foot, um, as I've been saying. So um, you know, we, have to, we have to make sure we're relevant in this marketplace. That's the immediate job. After that, we've got a lot of different ideas uh, of where we take the business to next and, and over the next few years. We haven't locked in on any on any one in particular, um, so yeah, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll just, we'll have to just stay tuned. <laughs> Chris, it's definitely a wait and see. The market is going to tell us what we do next to some degree. Um, you know whether that's build a bigger brewery and you know supply all the consumer demand that comes swamping into this place, or or stay nimble and stay small and build a similarly sized smaller brewery in a in another region that you know has pent up demand. Recently, we've started putting some beer onto pallets and sending it interstate. We were reluctant to, to send beer out. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense environmentally for me to be sending beer to Melbourne to displace the tap. And that guy down in Melbourne is brewing. I have to send it back to Sydney. But we, we got our heads around that. One of our staff looked into some carbon offsetting. So now when our beer gets shipped interstate, we're paying for that uh, uh, trees to be planted. So I feel better about the fact that um, we're burning diesel to get that beer down there. Uh, and actually, all of our beer from November, whether it's delivered interstate or locally, is all being offset. So I'm pretty proud of that. It, it makes you feel good. We're also looking at getting solar panels on the roof. Back to the interstate beer, we started sending beer interstate recently. Uh, actually, this week it'll go to Queensland and WA for the first time. We've been doing Vic for the pa- past few months, and we're kind of set it. We're offsetting it, but we're also setting, uh, sending it to a select group of venues, all pre-sold and cold so our commitment is to uh making sure that uh at, when you're in those states it's not sitting in a warehouse for long it's ba- we're basically sending out it's going to the warehouse probably for a day or two um a week at the most or whatever and then sending it out to the venue so you're able to get fresh beer just like you would in sydney and that takes a lot of effort as well to make sure that it's um you know that that you know you're selling it you know a month two months in advance to make like and pre-selling it to make sure that those venues are expecting it and they're ready to go for it so that that's quite exciting uh, it's still very limited, but um, it's um, it means that we can kind of give uh, everyone in the other states a little taste of what we've got um, and keep them kind of like hungry instead of saying instead of forgetting about us and kind of saying I never get to try your beer. You guys have always been very inner west focused, um, you know, and, and sort of you know kept your heads down and I don't think really made um, heaps of noise about what you're doing outside of this area. So the venues that you're dealing with, like, is it hand sell to them? Do they know the batch story? Is it people that you meet, you know, when you're at industry, you know, events like the conference in Adelaide? Or how, how have those relationships kind of transpired? We've engaged a distributor uh, from that, and then they've, they've selected. Uh, they know a bit of, they obviously know about the brewery and um, are, um, know the story. Uh, and then they've selected uh, the, that small group, which we've kind of said, yeah, okay, cool, that's that's good, and they just can continue to sell them. We've put it on them to kind of start develop the relationships and that logistic connection, uh, and then in the very near future, uh, we'll start getting out, and, and, and we'll be able to connect with them at a deeper level to make sure that 
um, they're getting what they need out of us as a brewery. And then if we can start to lock in any specific activities or um, experiences or whatever in, in those venues in the interstate, we might start doing that too, um, which could be a bit, bit of fun for us as well. So, Just looping back to, and it, it, it's been a theme that you know, Prof touched on, I've touched on, you, I mean, you guys are really focused on sustainability for your own business. Um, when we chatted to Brendan Barris, uh, who's one of the pioneers of craft beer, and just at the time he sold out, he talked about, he realised they'd got to a stage where they needed to inject more money into the business, but then what is his long-term um, goal? Because his kids didn't want to be in the business. He had a, a business and selling out was one of the, the options that he had. Do you guys, I mean, you, you, you're still young, you're still incredibly passionate for what you do, um, but you know, 15, 20 years' time, do you picture where Batch is and what, what you ultimately hope for, for Batch as a company? Do you want to go on and become a Coopers and have your families uh, take it over? Or you know, do you build something, get to an end, where you sort of say, well, that was a great ride, and then just shut up shop? What, what is the ultimate uh, game plan? And, and do you think about that, or, or should uh, young brewers be thinking about that sort of thing? I've been in, the, in beer my whole career, so I kind of... I don't mind staying on in beer. Um, but, yeah, that, that's one of those things that I think um, time will tell to see what happens. I, I envision us being around for the long term. Like, I, I, um, I think this business has longevity. Um, if we continue to focus on doing things right, um, then I think we'll be able to stick around for the long term. And that's the reason why we're taking a very the slow approach and not trying to grow too quickly. I think for us that shows that we're interested in, in, in being around for a while. Um, as for my family, I've got no idea. My son wants to be a fireman right now. So I'm trying to talk him into brewing beer, <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to think about what this place might look like in 20 years. I, I'd certainly like to continue doing the exact same thing we're doing, only a little bit bigger, maybe with uh, some climate control because it's fucking hot in here. Um, and and better i mean every time we've grown we've added you know more lab equipment more safety equipment like I, i'd like to be able to do uh more of this to service more people in just a bigger space but in, in terms of uh succession like now nah, i haven't i haven't gone that far but i'm incredibly impressed with the people that we've attracted to this business and i could see a number of the folks who have are working here taking this place to you know places beyond where uh i can have in my head right now so as long as we keep building a cool environment and attracting smart and talented people, I have no concerns for the future of this place. To finish up, guys, Chris, you put it beautifully before you sort of intimated that um, the market will kind of you know, dictate where we go from here. And in that same vein, Paul Pacey dictates that uh, we always ask the question, looking back, what key thing that you know now would you have done differently when you started? The easy one would be to just go bigger, faster. But the reality is we, we couldn't afford to. And if we'd sourced external capital beyond what we did, then there would have been you know, consequences to that. So uh, it's, I'm not saying we did it perfectly, but I don't think I'd do it any different. We had to fuck up and learn and grow and you know, bring in smart, talented people who helped us grow, but who also had ambitions beyond this place. So... Um, my kudos to, to all the guys and girls who have left this place for bigger and better. But, yeah, I mean, we had to get our lumps along the way. Again, we didn't do it perfect. We fucked up a lot, but that's, that's part of the journey. Andrew? I wholeheartedly agree with what Chris said. The only difference that I would say is uh, I wish we had bought a forklift earlier. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> and air conditioning. <laughs> no, but besides that, I think um, I, mean, I look back four years ago, man, it's, it's crazy Like to think that uh, back then it was uh, the two of us and Topher from Wildflower was helping us out. Um, and it was basically, so it was basically the three of us in here kind of doing everything. And, um, like, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, you have to, you, ha- you got to learn this stuff. Like you can't, if you come in overcapitalized, you know what I mean? You don't, and you don't, you don't ever experience the hardships kind of what we experience like triple stacking kegs, which no one should ever do, but fuck, we did it for a long time. Um, like all that kind of stuff, like, you know, you, you got, you got to fuck up in order to learn how to get better. So I, I think, um, yeah, I, I appreciate what we had and I, I don't, yeah, besides buying a forklift earlier, I don't think I would change it anything. <laughs> On that note, guys, just your patience of how Batch grows has sort of been a theme of everything that you've talked about. Um, are there other investors in, in the business and do they have, uh, do they sort of buy into that pro- approach? Because if you guys want to be patient about how you grow, presumably they've got to be on board with that approach as well. Uh, yes, they are all very patient. Um, I, I'm, we've delivered them pretty significant value already. And yeah, I mean, when we catch up with them, you know, a few of them are really close friends. Uh, all, all of them, there's 10 of them, all of them would not hesitate to email or call us if there was an issue. And uh, we pretty much never hear from them. So they're, they're happy to see uh, our beers popping up closer to their homes and, and all the rest. And I don't often have these conversations, but when I do talk to people about our growth and what we're going to do, I, I more often than not get someone saying, if you need some money, let me know when the time is right. So I, I think there's, it, it's hard to raise capital privately, but it also, you know, you do the hard way and you, you get a greater reward. So that's, that's sort of what we're looking for. Well, obviously we've got the Chapeau release coming up on Friday. Um, any other beers that people should be looking out for in the next few months? Tapping in the schedule in my mind. Uh, this week is a big week for us, actually. So if Chapeau comes out on Friday. We've got uh, Double Rainbow, the Double XPA uh, coming out in cans tomorrow. We've got Hopsy Mosey Nitro IPA coming out on, I think it's Thursday. Uh, next week, we've got more Saison. We've got more of our um, ginger ale, the third uh, brew of our ginger ale, which we've um, been kind of like tweaking as we go. It's just a really nice, easy drinking kind of like ginger beer. And in the new year, we've got Passion Magic Dragon. So our passion fruit and dragon fruit uh, sour coming out. Uh, with a really um, colorful can label as well, which is going to be pretty exciting. So we are going to potentially, um, assuming we can lock down the supplies of dragon fruit um, year-round, we're going to potentially release that as a stable uh, sour ale in cans. We've had so much demand for that beer uh, that um, we couldn't ignore it. So um, we're going to do big runs of it over the summer, and then we'll just see how we go from there. Besides that, we're, we're working on some really fun stuff that we're going to release at the brewery. Um, you got to stay tuned for that, um, those release, like what, th- what that is. But um, we're going to do some really small batch um, things that we're going to can or bottle and uh, just release here. Um, and they won't go out into the, the broader market, which we're really excited about. Um, and, yeah, we just – we have uh, – that will just kind of come out. The, the More information on that basically is – coming out soon we're working on the schedule and stuff like that now but that's all we can really say on that one it sounds like sounds like a pretty exciting time coming up for batch drinkers uh so i envy the locals around here on behalf of uh, all our listeners i'd like to thank you guys for uh for hosting us and for bearing us up so early in the morning thank you very much so uh chris sidwa and uh andrew finneran thank you very much for having us at batch uh and before we sign off um 
I hope you guys, it's, it's lucky you're, you're sitting down um, because this is possibly going to be a little bit exciting, but you, you guys are the first outside of the Inner Sanctum to receive from us our first official Bruise News merch, uh, a bar blade. And listeners, I can tell you that the, uh, the excitement is palpable. And those bottle openers will be so helpful for your cans. Oh, they've got long necks as well. <laughs> long, exactly. So, Chris, Andrew, thanks very much for having us at Batch and uh, thanks for joining us on Radio Bruise News. Thank you very much. Thanks for making the trip down. Appreciate it. Or up, as the case may be. That was Chris Sidwa and Andrew Finneran. If you enjoy Radio Brews News and Beer is a Conversation... Please rate us and leave a review on your favourite podcasting app, like iTunes. We look forward to joining you next time for another conversation about beer.